You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Father, we thank you this morning. And Lord, we examine our hearts and our soul, and we ask, Father, that you would minister to us, Father, that you would take the scales off, the blinders off. And the Lord, by your spirit, Lord, you would minister to us that we could truly be free. We thank you for those that were saved the first service. And we thank you for those that will be saved in this service. We thank you for the hearts that will be healed, wounds that will be met. And Father, we thank you right now for what you're about to do. And we give you the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Touch somebody and say, God just touched you. Amen. This morning I have a particular thought that came in my mind, and that was this. Don't let the blessing of God pass you by. And when I say that, understand when I speak about the blessing, I'm not talking about cars, boats, homes, money. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the blessing which is a supernatural manifestation of God's power that does bring these things into your life. But the thing is not the blessing. That's why you can be completely broke and be blessed. Amen? Because it's a manifestation of God's power. Now, what I want us to focus in on is the fact that sometimes we let the blessing pass us by. We get distracted with these worldly things, you know, the cares of this world, all the different agendas that we have in our life, we get distracted, and the blessing passes us by, and we don't receive from God really what he wants in our lives, in our marriages, in our country, in our church. That's what I want to minister to you tonight, and I want you to ask that question, have I been allowing the blessing to pass me by? And to, to start with, let me give you a story in the Old Testament of one of my favorite prophets, and that was Elisha. Elisha was a fantastic prophet because I liked his zeal, how he gets the double portion and all that. But he, he would travel around doing what prophets do, and that is ministering to people. And he went through this one particular town, and there was a, a godly woman there with her husband who recognized he was anointed of God and, and had a great respect for the power of God and all that. And so they, when, he, when he came, they would always invite him over for dinner and say, hey, just spend the night here. Whenever you're in town, just come to our house. We'll, we'll feed you. We'll take care of you. And over a process of time, the woman, women are always good about this, goes to the husband and says, maybe wouldn't it be great if we built a house on the side of our house for the prophet? He could come, get everything in order, and he'd have his little place there, free rent, whatever, be blessed. Husband agreed to, and they went ahead and did it. Now, notice what the woman and his husband did. They made room for the anointing. They made room for the moving of the Holy Spirit. They made room for it. In today's church in America, we've stopped making room for the Holy Spirit in the church. And that's a problem because we're not seeing deliverance in the measure that we should because of that. We've got to not let that anointing just go by. We need to make room for it in our lives. And if you study the story of the lady, you'll discover that there were many blessings that she received. Number one, she was a woman 
that was suffering with great pain from the past. Because if you remember the story, the prophet said, I need to give this woman something supernatural because she's been taking care of me. And, and uh, he asked the servant, what does she have? And she said, we don't need anything. We have money. We have favor with the king, all that kind of stuff. And, and the, the servant came back. She says, one thing she doesn't have, a child. Never had a child. So the prophet said, this time next year, you're going to have a child. And she screams out and flips out and says, don't tell me this unless it's true, which indicates to me that she had been hurt in the past, maybe from, uh, I wouldn't say an abortion, but a miscarriage, maybe several miscarriages, or maybe she had a child that died. I have no idea. But it really gripped her. But notice because she made room for the prophet, God healed her heart. And not only gave her the son, and we know the story where she grow, the son grows up and in the field gets a headache and dies and Elijah has to raise the child back up. But if you read on, there's more good things that happen to the woman and her husband because the, the prophet tells her there's going to be a, a, a famine in the land for seven years. And I want you, and I've prophesied this in the church too, it's, it's not coming for another four, but there is a famine coming. Amen. And so I want you to leave, he says. So she left with her husband. And what was so wild about it is that she comes back and homesteaders had moved into her house, taken over the property. So she needed favor with the king, but because she made room for the anointing, the king gave her favor, not only gave her her property back, but gave her seven years of fruitfulness on that property during a time of famine. Because she had made room for the anointing in her life. Amen? So we need this in, in the church. And, and I think sometimes, a lot of times, you know, Jesus will pass by us in our time of crisis. And we won't make room for him. We, we won't do what's necessary to make it happen. You find this in the New Testament where Jesus is in a crowd and they're passing by these two blind men. And they said, what's going on? We hear this commotion. What's going on? Jesus is passing by. And they yelled out and said, Lord, have mercy on Lord, have mercy on And it attracted Jesus. And they went to him. Anyway, they came out seeing. Amen? Because they wouldn't let him pass by. But one of my favorite stories is when Jesus was, had just fed a multitude of 5,000, which they estimate probably about 18,000 people with women and children. And they wanted to make him king right then over Rome. But he didn't come to do that. He came to get us free spiritually. And so he sent the crowd away and he told the disciples, I'm going up to pray. You go to the other side of the lake. They went over there and a storm kicked up and they all night long, they tried to get to it. They couldn't get to it. And they got out of the middle of the lake and here's Jesus. He's been praying all night. He comes down. This is, this is somewhere between 3 and 6 in the morning. He's walking on the water. And this is what blew my mind when I read this verse. Put it on the screen. And then he saw them straining at the row, rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and watch this, and would have passed them by. Think about that. Jesus would have passed them by and maybe they would have even perished in the storm if someone had not cried out in faith. Peter cries out and says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come. 
which I have no idea why I would do it, but Peter's kind of compulsive. But that's where we get the miracle, him walking on the water. But here's the question. Jesus will walk past us. Jesus will not help us if we don't cry out in faith for him at those times. We got to make room for God and not assume that God's going to bless us and help us. We need to embrace that. Don't let his anointing, his presence pass you by. Don't spend your life having moments where God moved in your life, but you were too busy to stay there and wait on God. Don't spend your life going, you know, yeah, I remember when I was in youth camp, I got blessed. It was a great experience and never have anything since then. Forget about convenience. Forget about the, what you're doing in your life. What really matters is that when the presence of God is manifested in your life, that we make room for God to move, to move in our hearts, to change our hearts, to transform our life. Jesus doesn't walk by us. Understand, he doesn't want to do that. He was given the spirit without measure, and he could, oh man, think about this. Without measure, all the healing that was needed in anyone's body was available, but yet he passed by thousands and thousands and thousands Thousands of people that never received their miracle during his ministry. So it's possible to even be a follower and he can pass you by. I was pondering this thought of what it would be like if you went to heaven or a friend of yours went to heaven and you get up to heaven and, you, and you're talking to the Lord and, and you say to him, Lord, you know, you know I'm just curious I'd been praying about this certain thing in my life for many many years and it never went away and you know the pain that it was giving me in my my life you know that I'm just curious why you didn't deliver me and the Lord said I did I sent deliverance to you three times one time you were at the river And the presence of God fell on you. And I was about ready to reveal things to you. And you were in a hurry to get home to watch the football game. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. And I was going to give you the revelation you needed to be delivered. But you were distracted by this. And this happened two other times in your life. One time I was at the Bible study. And again, the Spirit of God had moved, but you had things you had to do at home and you couldn't wait on me and I wasn't able to minister to it. And the last time I moved on you was in the hospital when you were in there. But you were so concerned about what was wrong with you. The fear kept you from receiving from me now I know this is all fictional but the point is is it is possible for us to walk by the anointing and the presence of God and miss out on our miracle Jesus can be walking through the church today which he is 
And we can miss our miracle because we don't take time for the Holy Spirit in our lives to minister to us. I want you to understand that when I teach this Bible, I'm not teaching a book about wisdom. I'm teaching a book that comes from the throne. The throne. In other words, when you take this word and, and you minister it to people according to the way the Spirit tells you to minister to it, it, it comes from the altar. It is anointed. It is powerful. It's able to drive out every disease. It's able to do anything that you need. There's no weapon that is stronger than it is. It is that powerful. And that's what we peddle in the church. It's not just, oh, he's a good motivational teacher. No, it's not that. It's a word that's anointed. By his stripes we were healed. Amen. So whatever word it is, it is for us today to be blessed over the top. And I want to I give you one of the main reasons why blessings pass people by who are Christians and even non-Christians. Why they don't embrace the Savior and Jesus and receive what they need. This is one of the reasons because they don't call in the blessing. Let me say it again. They don't call in the blessing in their life. All they talk about is what is wrong in their life. All their problems, they don't call in the blessing. Look at this verse with me in Proverbs 18. Put it up on the screen here. A man's stomach shall be satisfied by the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. In other words, it says that from our mouth, we will partake. We will be filled from what comes out of our mouth. If we speak about our worries all the time, we'll be filled with anxiety. If we speak about what we can't do, we'll be filled with inferiority and the inability to do it. If we speak about our concerns, we'll be more concerned and full of that in our own lives. I made an observation in Scripture. The word order if you remember the verse in Proverbs 18, it says, death and life is in the power of the tongue. It puts death first, then life. But when you go over to Deuteronomy, where God says, I set before you today something. He says, I set before you life and death. He reverses the order and says, choose life, which tells me this. Death is something that just automatically happens to us. We're just prone to that. You gotta make a choice to speak life. You gotta make a choice. And what I'm asking you to do today is this, is call in the blessing in your life. Call it in. Don't call in your fears and your anxieties and your frustration and your negativity, don't call for it. Because if you call for it, you'll be satisfied with it or filled up with it and it will begin to distort your life and mess your life up in a, in, in a terrible way. I've noticed there's a problem with young people and there's a problem with old people. Old people or young people are always complaining about not having enough money not having enough opportunity, call in the blessing. Not being good enough, not being smart enough. That's what you hear from a lot of young people. Stop it, shut up, in love. 
Old people, on the other hand, they're a little bit different. They magnify their weaknesses. Oh, yeah, man, I tell you what, my hip is really bothering me today. Man, my knee's been bothering me. My, what'd you say? I can't hear you. You know, I'm not hearing as well as I used to hear either. Call him the blessing. Hey, and I'm not preaching you something that isn't real because the Bible says if we wait on the Lord, God will renew our strengths. We'll run and not get weary. We'll, we'll come on, and, or run and not faint. Uh, the Bible tells us that we can be strong in the Lord and, and God will, will, will renew us like the eagles and will mount up. Say amen, praise God. Why not call that in rather than the other stuff? Call in what you don't have instead of calling in what you do want. I would rather call in what I want rather than what I don't want. But in the church today, we do that. And let me just tell you a story. You know, I'm a faith preacher. I've taught faith for years. And, and you all, most of you know Romans 4 were... God calls us things which be not as though they were and use it in connection with Abraham. You're familiar with that. Well, let me show it to you in a, in a tough situation. Years ago, I was preaching that, that if you consider the circumstance, you weaken the faith to the point that you won't get your miracle. Even though we got to understand the condition we're in, if you focus in on it, your faith will get too weak. And I remember I was preaching that lady come up to me. She, her husband is in the medical field and she had just had one breast removed. And they were very offended at the message. And they told me this. They said, well, you know, in the Hebrew and in Greek, it doesn't really mean that. And they were offended because they probably were believing for the best they could with the autopsy and all, or not the autopsy, the... Uh, biopsy and it didn't work out right and you know for a woman to have that kind of surgery is very dramatic and I really feel for him but that does not change what the word says the new King James version translates that just right where it says Abraham did not consider his body dead and, and that's backed up by what happened with Peter because Peter's walking on the water. He started considering the storm. As soon as he started considering the storm, he started to sink. I mean, just starting to sink is a good miracle, but, you know, walking on the water. But he was considering what he was going through. And Jesus grabbed him and said, why did you doubt you have little faith? And all of a sudden he realized, okay, this was wrong. I wasn't considering the storm when I first stepped out on the water but now I am, and he, and he focused, faith went, he walked with Jesus back to the boat. While the storm is still going on, Jesus didn't get rid of the storm until they got back in the boat. And then it was supernatural, they were on shore. Talk about, whoo, what a ride, rush home, praise God. But that's what God does. Now I'm saying that because when I tell you to call in your blessing, Somebody will criticize me, but it works. It's better to call in what you want in Christ than to keep talking about what you don't want. Come on, don't shout me down. 
Say amen or something. This is powerful. There, there is a great power in us cooperating with Scripture. And that doesn't mean we're radical and we never say, well, you know, tell the doctor, well, I'm here, but what's wrong with you? Nothing. I'm not talking about doing that. I'm saying that in your life you go, okay, I got these problems, but I'm going to focus in on the blessing and I'm going to call it in. I'm going to always have more than enough, plenty left over my life. Praise God. God gives me strength. My latter years will be better than my former. God knows every hair in my head, so he's keeping every hair on my head. Say amen. Praise God. <laughs> Now, you can go any direction you want with this. I remember I got so upset when I found about Kenneth Copeland. And I was upset as I talked to Harry and Cheryl. And I said, you know, does he dye his hair? And they said, he doesn't dye his hair. They know him personally. They've been at his home. He doesn't dye his hair. And I'm so mad that I didn't think of that or even think about believing for that when I was younger. It's too late now. Now, now I'm blonde. Yeah, you're not going to help me at all. But I want you to call in the blessing. Call it in in your life. Quit talking about everything that's wrong in your life. Start talking about everything that you want in your life through the word. Quit talking about how weak you are. Start talking about how strong God is inside of you. Stop talking about how your body's all messed up. Start talking about how God's provided divine healing for you. And that God heals every disease in the Bible. Start talking about that. Start talking about your family being reconciled. Rather than talking about your family, oh, they're, they'll always be rebellious. They'll always be doing this. They'll always in trouble. Stop saying that. Stop saying your kids are dumb. Say they got the mind of cross. Stop saying that I won't be able to do what God called me to do. Start saying that, God, I'm going to do what your word says. I'm going to pursue it, praise God. And out of my mouth, I declare because your word says that faith speaks. Faith speaks, praise God. I don't want that blessing passing me by. I want to embrace it. I want to hold it. I want to enjoy it in my life. I want to finish my life full of the blessings, full of the breakthroughs. And people will say, what kind of life do you have? I had a great life. I was with Jesus and Jesus lives in me and Jesus helped me and he's my strength he's my he paid off my house he paid off my car he did this praise say amen praise God I've never shared this but because I don't like to promote jealousy but I was talking to a brother and I said you may not know this but the car I bought someone paid for it all Say amen. amen. I got something to shout about. Amen. You got something to shout about? Amen. Come on, God's powerful. But we can put ourselves in a position where the blessing can just walk by us and we miss out on what God had for us. And we don't condemn anybody if you're in a hard place. We're there to help you, praise God. But the point is, let's call in the blessing. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to call it in. Now watch this truth. I want you to see this. Write this down. What you say creates your imagination or creates word pictures. But what 
images you have in your mind create words. Let me say that again. The images in your mind create words. Just like words create images, images create words. So why are you talking about this? Because Satan will hit you when you're in the valley. He will hit you when things are not going good in your life and all of a sudden you'll get this picture of you losing your job. This picture of you foreclosing on your house. This picture of you going from bad to worse with your disease. This picture of your family being divided and broken apart and you'll get this in your mind and it'll just keep going over and over and over and over. See, Satan knows he has no authority over you. So the second best thing that he can do is to use you in the wrong way. And so if he can get you to focus in on those pictures, then you'll begin to verbalize it. And as soon as you verbalize it, he's got permission to move into that situation. Amen. So what we got to do is be strong in that area and not allow that to happen. And make sure that we put the right images. In 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says this. Casting down every imagination. And it puts imagination first. Not thoughts. It's first. It's first. It's first. It's first. It's first. Why does he put it first? Because it's more powerful than the thoughts. If you deal with the imagination, the thoughts go right along with it. Amen? And here's the, pow- the power of this. We need to replace that negative imagination with a positive. Paul said, I want you to pray and pray that the eyes of your imagination would be enlightened by the Spirit to the hope of his calling in your life. And notice it didn't say, his, it didn't say your calling, his calling. God calls people and we walk in a calling that God's called us to do. It's not our calling. It, we're, it is in the sense that, he, that we're walking in it. But it's actually Christ calling inside of you. And God's not called to fail. God's not called to be sick. God's not called to go broke. God's not called to do any of that. But it's his calling inside of you. And when you read that first chapter in Ephesians, he talks about the power that is in the resurrection of Christ and says, God, give me revelation. Let me see things that I couldn't normally see. Let me understand. And actually in the Greek, there's five different words for power talked about in the resurrection. They're so powerful. But it's all about God enlightening my imagination so that I can see things in a way that I couldn't see it before. Let me read to you a verse, a Psalms 42, verse 7 and 8. Put it up there. Deep calls upon deep at the noise of the waterfall. All the waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, a prayer to God of my life. Why does he say deep calls upon deep? He's talking about something that is spiritual. He's talking about all, if you're here today, God's called you to be here. And within that calling is a call for salvation, is a call for deliverance, is a call, deep calls upon deep. God is calling us to be set free, calling us to live victorious, calling, and deep calls upon deep. I know it's mystical, but it's, it's a spiritual concept that we need to understand or the blessing may pass us by.
I don't want it to pass me by. I want to embrace it. Now, let me give you a key here that'll help. Call in the blessing in your life and keep your vision before your eyes. Keep the vision before your eyes. There's a story in the Old Testament by a man by the name of Zerubbabel. He was a governor given a task by God to build a temple. He had built the foundation, but persecution had come in. It had stopped the project. And now there's a prophetic word from Zechariah. And in the prophetic word, it says this to Zerubbabel. He says, take the cornerstone and put it before you. Now that's significant. Because as he goes down two more verses, that was verse 7, verse 9, he talks about how Zerubbabel with his own hands will finish the project. But there he's talking about putting the cornerstone before him. See, we don't understand what the cornerstone is, but the, the cornerstone is the last thing that is put in the building. In other words, they don't, the building's not done until that is put on the pinnacle. That is done. Then it's completed. So what the prophet is telling him is I want you to take the, the, the last thing or the thing that represents it's finished and put it before your eyes. I want you to see it finished before it's finished. And as you see it finished, then, then the prophet go, says this. He says, oh, this is a great mountain before you, but this mountain will be small because you are greater than the mountain and you're going to prevail over it. And not by my, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And, and it's a powerful prophecy, but here's the point I want, you, I want you to see. The instruction was to take the cornerstone and put it there. That was the last part of the project and keep it before his eyes. Joshua did something similar when they went through the Jordan into the promised land. Uh, God's, uh, he told them to take up 12 stones and the stones were a memorial that would remind them of the power of God that got them across there so that they would have that same power operating in the promised land. You got to put your vision before you. Don't put all your bills before you. Put your vision before you. Put the bills behind you. Say amen. amen. Don't put the doctor's report before you. Put it behind you. Put the healing before you. Put it before you. And uh, to, to give you an example of this, there was a couple in the church, and they had, like many families, they had a wayward son. And he was raised a Christian, whatever. Anyway, he went out. He was living on his own, indulging in all the immorality and stuff that goes along with that. And they were really concerned. They were praying for him. But what they did is they went down and they bought a Bible. And they had his name engrafted on the Bible. And they took the Bible and they put it on their coffee table in the house. So every time they'd come into the house, they would look at the Bible with their name's son's name in it. They kept the vision before them. One day, two days, three days. Kept it before them, kept it before them. Kept it before me, and eventually the boy came home, gave his life to Jesus and is serving God now. Say amen. They kept the vision, the vision, the vision before him. Not the problem, the vision. Where do you want to be in five years?
What do you want to do with the rest of your life? What do you want to do with God's calling in your life? How do you want to accomplish it? Put it before you. Put it before you. Put it before you. Praise God. There's a power in this and let's say you've been in an accident you can't shoot the hoops like you used to because you know you've had surgeries and whatever else and you know you've done everything the doctor said to do but you're still kind of limping around buy yourself a very expensive uh, pair of tennis shoes for playing basketball and put it in your your closet and every time you go in to get your jacket look at those tennis shoes and say one day I'm going to put those things on and I'm going to be able to play again I'm going to be able to make the shot that I shot before amen there's a power behind this concept of putting the vision before you where you just see it and you see it and you see it and you see it. One of the ladies that swam the English Channel, she had made several attempts to do it, and the first two attempts she had failed. And the English Channel is very difficult to swim because you have sharks, which are a threat, but you've got jellyfish. And jellyfish really sting, and they're all out in the water. And so one time she was really close to making it, but the fog came in and she couldn't see the shoreline. So she just gave up. It brought her aboard and she didn't make it. But the time that she made it, it was a clear day. There was no fog. And when she got to the other side, she said that what kept her going is she could see the, the beach. She could see where she had to go. She said, hey, when I can't see that, I don't have any endurance. But when I can see it, I can, I can endure it. I can stick with it because I see it's there. It's there. I'm getting closer. That's how this vision things work. You can see it. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen. So keep the vision before you. Yes. Amen. Yes. Let me close with one truth that I believe is going to really set a lot of you free, maybe in a way that you haven't been before. And it's a story in the Bible. I'll give you the reference. You can look it up for yourself. It's in uh, Genesis. It's Genesis 35, verse 16 to 18. And it's a story about Jacob. How many know that Jacob had two wives? One of his wives was Rachel. She was the one he really adored. And she was pregnant with a child. And it was time for the baby to be delivered. And it said in Scripture that she had a hard delivery. It was so hard that she died from the delivery. But before she died, she told the nurse, she said, I want to name the boy this. And this is the name she gave him. His name was Ben-Onai. Name him Ben-Onai, which means the son of my sorrow. And then she died. Jacob comes in and the nurse says she's gone. But her last wishes were, she changed, she gave the na this name to the, to, the, to the baby. This is my sorrow. And Jacob wouldn't have anything to do with it. He said, no, I'm not going to name my son after her pain. I'm not going to do that. Now, understand what he's discerning is so powerful. He named his child Benjamin, which means my strength. 
which many kings came out of him. Amen? The baby was innocent. The baby didn't do anything to deserve that brand that was given to the baby. The baby didn't do anything at all that made the baby deserving of that at all. And that's like in your life, many of you have received a name from someone who suffered pain. And in their pain, they said this about you. In their pain, they declared that you were this. In their pain, they said you couldn't do this. And, and you'll, you're all, you're just like your dad. Or in their pain, they said that. And it's, and it's a name that's been branded inside of your spirit, even though you don't go by the physical name. And God wanted to tell, me, tell you today that he not only wants to give you a new name, he wants to heal the pain that came from the old name. And he told me to tell you that his spirit wants to heal you of that pain so that you can be what God has called you to be and you can rise up and be a lion instead of a lamb and you can be that, that, that eagle instead of that chicken and you can do what God has called you to do in your life. But we get these brands. And I know our parents do the best they can raising us. But sometimes parenting is not done correctly. Sometimes I remember when Joyce, we started having babies and, and I said, after the first one, I said, God, how do you raise this kid? I don't, it doesn't come with instructions. And I said, the best I can do is raise them the way my dad raised me. But what if your dad didn't raise you right? What if your dad was hurt? What if your dad had been broken? What if your dad was an alcoholic? What if your dad was in between wives? What if your dad was a child molester? What if, what if your mother abandoned you? What if? What if? And I know as I prayed about this, that the Holy Spirit was very concerned about it. And he wanted you to know that you don't have to pass the blessing by. I want everybody to stand up right now. You don't have to pass the blessing by. You don't have to pass it by. You can receive from God today. The Holy Spirit is here to heal the pain because the pain is associated with the identity if you get healed the identity is easy to change but you have to be healed by the power of the spirit Tommy can you sing me that song Holy Spirit from Bethel please sing the song with me and please I'm I'm going to get you on plenty of time. Let's allow the Holy Ghost to do a little heart surgery. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening.
listening today. For more messages like this one, check out riveroflifefellowship.org, our mobile app, and our podcast. Also, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at River of Life Kent to learn more and keep up with everything that's happening at River of Life Fellowship. 